This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by The Ritual Tarot. The Ritual Tarot is a groundbreaking tarot deck created by collage artist Tira May. And she was kind enough to send me a deck, and I was totally dazzled by it. The Ritual Tarot weaves a rich visual mythology and draws from an eclectic and vivid well of imagery. It uses the power of symbols to activate your intuition and elevate your magical practice, and it looks like a dream. Order your copy today at theritualtarot.com or at ritualtarotbytira.etsy.com. And Tira is spelled T-I-E-R-A, ritualtarotbytira.etsy.com or theritualtarot.com. And you can get 20% off your order by using code WITCHWAVE20. That's 20% off your order by using code WITCHWAVE20. This season of The Witch Wave is brought to you in part by Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab. Black Phoenix Alchemy Lab is a fragrance house specializing in body and household blends with a dark, romantic, gothic tone. Over the years, they've collaborated with some of my very favorite creative visionaries, including Neil Gaiman, Jim Jarmusch, the Jim Henson Company, and most recently, Junji Ito. They continually return to inspirations drawn from witchcraft, paganism, and mythology, and they also have a sister store called Twilight Alchemy Lab, which creates oils blended and consecrated specifically for ritual use. The lab recently released their annual Halloween perfume collection, a limited edition series which includes scents inspired by folklore accounts of lycanthropy. Customer reviews of their products can be found at the fanrunbpal.org web forum, and you can check out all of their perfumes and other enchanting concoctions over at blackphoenixalchemylab.com. The world is filled with bewitching people, and you might be one too. Welcome to the podcast where art is magic, magic is real, and reality is stranger than dreams. I'm Pam Grossman, and this is The Witch Wave. Hello, and welcome to The Witch Wave. Some of you know that I really adore adornment. I love fashion and costume and jewelry, and I'm especially attracted to wearable magic. I have an ever-growing collection of lucky charms, protective amulets, and symbolic talismans that make me feel more connected to my magical self and to the magic around me. 
One of the most wonderful gifts that I have ever been given is a custom-made ring by the designer of an incredible line called Hexorn. The designer reached out to me last year because she felt compelled to make me something as an offering of gratitude for my work, which is so humbling and so kind. And she wanted to infuse it with intention and symbols that would be personally empowering for me. And so after a bit of brainstorming together, she came up with one of the most stunning objects I've ever seen, let alone now own and get to wear. It is this beautiful ring. It has this giant three-pointed amethyst set in it, and amethyst is my birthstone, and it's said to increase intuition, and the three points of the amethyst are also to symbolize Hecate in her triple form. And the ring's silver band is etched with messages and intentions written in Agam, which is a Celtic language of trees. I believe it's a Druidic language. And the ring also has a witch's knot and a sun and a moon and an all-seeing eye and all kinds of other stones and secrets embedded into it. If you're curious, you can see pictures of it over on the Hexorn Instagram, that's H-E-X-O-R-N, and over on my Instagram, I posted about it a few months back too. Now, I keep this ring on my altar when I'm not wearing it, and I do this to charge it up as I do with all of my other talismanic jewels. And when I wear this ring, I feel so powerful and so protected and so beautiful like some sort of cinematic sorceress. And I'm very particular about when and where I put this ring on. It is not a ring for every day. It is a ring for special occasions. It's a ring that I feel called to wear. And the experience of receiving this ring and also helping co-design the ring a bit reminds me that throughout most of human history, Magical objects were not replicas, of course not. They had to be custom-made or otherwise fashioned out of whatever materials one had access to. Remember, probably until the late 20th century, there were no such thing as New Age shops or witch stores where someone could just buy an amulet or a talisman. They had to be procured by someone who made it for you by hand, or else you had to make it yourself. This is why if you visit places like the Museum of Witchcraft and Magic in England or the Buckland Museum of Witchcraft and Magic in Ohio, you'll see so many robes and crowns and pendants and wands that were worn by witches in ceremony and each of these garments and items were either cobbled together out of repurposed materials or else they were made entirely from scratch. The craft has always been about crafting, creating your own materials and rituals and infusing them with your individual magic. This is why I was so excited to speak with today's guests, 
Dynasty and Soul Ogun, who are the twins behind the fine jewelry and fashion line L'Enchanteur, which translates to The Enchanter. Each piece they create is steeped in the magic of their family, their ancestors, and of course, themselves. And they are beyond breathtaking to behold. But before we get to that, first, let's check and see what's come through on The Witch Wire. Who is it? Witches! Hi, Pam. How are you? Totally loving what you do. And it's great now being a formal member and having access to Witchwave Plus and all the other goodies that you offer. Thank you for all the work you do to pull these things together. I recently listened to the interesting bonus Witchwave episode on left-handed magic. That was definitely fascinating. I love the look of the Sinister Side book and especially being a mature age fine arts student, it's really tickling my interest. It's now in my cart and ready to go. My question to you, what to do if one is ambidextrous and wanting to use their more intuitive non-dominant hand? My partner's preference is activity dependent. He writes with one hand and dominates strongly for everything else in his other. When doing tarot, for instance, we will get him to pull a card with each hand, which can be really interesting. Thank you again, Pam, for everything that you do and in answering this question. I'm delighted I found you and your Patreon community. Have a wonderful day. Hello there. I am not sure if you are comfortable with me sharing your name, so we're just going to keep you an anonymous, disembodied voice coming through the ether. But I want to thank you for sharing your voice with us and also for all those lovely, kind words. I'm, I'm so grateful to receive them. Now, for those listening, what this magical disembodied voice is referring to is that as you may know, I put out all kinds of bonus episodes for Witch Wave Patreon backers. And so they hear from me and from occasional bonus guests every week, not just every other week. And that happens no matter what level they join the Witch Wave Patreon at. So even just the base level, everybody who joins gets access to all of this bonus Witch Wave content extra episodes and minisodes and so on. And so if you want to hear the full bonus episode that this lovely person is referring to, you can find it over at patreon.com slash witchwave. And the episode in question is called Left-Handed Magic. But just to quickly summarize here, in that episode, I talk about a belief in magical practice that says that your dominant hand is your hand of action and creation, whereas your non-dominant hand is considered to be your hand of receptivity and intuition. 
And I also talk in depth in that episode about the truly wrong-headed belief that the left hand or the left side was associated with sinister goings-on. The word sinister actually comes from the Latin word meaning on the left side, whereas the word dexterous and dexterity originally mean on the right side. Anyhow, just listen to the full episode on Patreon if this sounds intriguing to you because it truly is a juicy one, if I may say so myself. But for me, yes, I'm right-handed, so I tend to do a lot of my spell casting and, of course, my writing and creating with my right hand or led by my right hand. But when I'm doing any kind of magical work where I'm receiving messages... I use my left hand, my non-dominant hand. I use this hand for receptivity. Um, For example, I always pull tarot cards or oracle cards with my left hand because the non-dominant hand is alleged to be the hand of intuition and of receiving as opposed to the dominant hand, which is the hand of manifestation or giving. And so if your dominant hand is actually your left hand, you would just reverse this. It's not that the left hand is more intuitive, it's that the non-dominant hand is more intuitive, whichever hand that is for you. So, my disembodied friend, to get to your question, you're saying that your partner is ambidextrous, and so you're wondering which is his non-dominant hand? Which is the hand that he should use for pulling tarot or doing other kinds of magical, you know, psychic receptivity work? And listen, as I often say, there's no wrong answer here. So truly, whichever one he feels called to use to pull tarot is absolutely fine. And I do love the idea of him switching and using both hands per his own instincts. That may be the perfect solution right there. But I think if you're going to go by this duality of the non-dominant hand and the dominant hand, then I do think the answer is pretty simple, which is for him to ask himself which hand he would pull the cards with normally, like if he wasn't thinking about it, and then do the opposite of that. The idea is to pull the card with the hand that feels slightly more awkward or that he wouldn't usually use in this circumstance if it was just like a random deck of cards. And I can only assume, based on the information that you provided, that if he writes with one hand but does literally everything else with his other hand, that his natural tendency would be to pull cards from a deck with his non-writing hand, and therefore he should do the opposite of that when pulling cards from a tarot deck. So if I'm understanding this correctly, he would pull tarot cards with his writing hand, as that hand would usually be non-dominant in a more mundane card-pulling circumstance. Now, if I'm wrong on this, and he would usually pull a card with his writing hand, then in the case of tarot, he would do the opposite of that. So it's entirely circumstantial, and it's about doing whatever feels I was going to say right, but that's going to turn into a whole who's on first bit and nobody has time for that. So he would do whatever feels 
apt for this situation. And that means pulling the tarot card with the hand that feels more atypical or unnatural because he is using that hand in a more intuitive, supernatural way. I hope that makes sense. I hope I answered this handily enough. And I so look forward to hearing how it all goes. Keep me posted. Now, on to my guests. Soul and Dynasty Ogun are identical twins who together are the forces behind their design and thought incubator, L'Enchanteur, which they founded in 2017. L'Enchanteur is a multifaceted design house creating unique and ethereal fine jewelry, accessories, and garments which draw from esoterica and alchemical symbolism, as well as the mystical practices of their Nigerian and Dominican ancestors, and of course, their own inventive style and magical intentions. Both Soul and Dynasty are autodidactic artisans in their respective fields, with Soul focusing within the metalwork jewelry realm and Dynasty focusing within the realm of textiles, fibers, accessories, and garments. Together, they create adornment which seeks to bring empowerment, inspiration, and healing to the world via their shared vision of spiritual transformation through craft. Their pieces have been worn by such powerhouses as Beyonce, Jay-Z, Erica Badu, Ms. Lauren Hill, and Michelle Obama, and many, many, many others at events, in editorial spreads, and in projects such as music videos, including Beyonce's film Black is King. The Ogun twins have also been embraced by the fine art world, with their work being shown in galleries and other art spaces beyond the fashion industry. They've gone on to win countless fans, critical acclaim, and awards, including the Fashion Trust U.S. Jewelry Design Award of 2023. Now, before we get started, one technical note about this interview is that Sol was actually on a train when we recorded, and so she had to jump in and out of our conversation as her reception allowed, and the sound quality overall is the best we could polish given her Amtrak acoustics. Dynasty was able to join from their studio in Brooklyn, and she will be the first voice you hear. I am so grateful to Dynasty and Soul for taking the time out of their highly in-demand schedules to record this conversation with me via Zoom. Dynasty and Soul Ogun, welcome to the Witch Wave. Hey guys, how are you? This is Dynasty Ogun here. <laughs> and I understand we're joined by your twin sister Soul, who's actually going to be recording from the Amtrak train. So Soul is going to be jumping in and out. 
But Dynasty, you're going to be holding it down and being probably our lead voice from time to time. So anyway, I so appreciate you both joining. And let's just kick things off by talking about your amazing line. And I took remedial French when I was young, but I do not want to fuck up the pronunciation. So can first of all, you tell us your preferred pronunciation of this beautiful line? We are Le Chantier. We're from Brooklyn, New York City, by way of Nigeria and Dominica in the West Indies. Perfect. And so how do you describe this line for people who haven't seen your garments and your jewels and amulets yet? How do you like to describe it to people? I would say I like to describe Le Chantier as a creative incubator where people can access pieces and items and tools to unlock pieces of themselves. So we use these pieces to enhance not only your everyday wear to wear, but enhancing and unlocking something within yourself. So a lot of our clients are drawn to our pieces because of, you know, just that. Mm. Yeah. One of the reasons I'm so drawn to your pieces is because they really feel like amulets or talismans. It really feels as if you're intentionally infusing these pieces with magic. And I would love to hear you talk about how you each got interested in what I'll broadly call like the esoteric. I would say that that was something that our older siblings, I would say, introduced us to slightly. And then we started to gauge deeper into different areas of understanding and knowledge and trying to know thyself. I think that's the first idea that we had that we wanted to do. So knowing yourself and whole and seeing different aspects of yourself in a spiritual sense, that was like the motivation in going towards the esoteric understanding, having an idea of what inner power looks like and how you can manipulate things that are I would say base metals and trying to turn that into gold, Mm. becoming alchemists Mm. in the right. So I think that the study of esotericism, alchemy, mythicism, Mm -hmm. and things like that, Mm -hmm. our personal culture, and how we can use all those different aspects of the self to gain a whole understanding of what a complete being would look like. And Mm. I think that's how we go about creating and debating and researching and seeing what we can do with the clay and how we can use our hands and how we can manipulate certain forms and things like that. Yes, yes. Hey, this is Soul. Oh, hi, Soul. Did you have anything you wanted to add from the train? Adding on to what Dynasty said, agreeing with her that our older siblings, because we are the last of six children, Whoa. They inspired us in terms of just kind of being a little bit different and a lot of reading and studying and research. And they were always into like the otherworldly kind of things. And I think that that trickled down to us to really dive into esoteric mysticism and combining that, like Dynasty said, with our heritage and our upbringing, Mm. even exploring more how those intersect with one another and how they play a role in the way that we develop as beings and individuals. And I think we use those tools as ways for us to grow and expand and evolve. And like Dynasty said, become our own alchemists of our lives. Mm. So when you're designing some of these pieces, I imagine you're quite intentional about the symbolism, about the stones, the colors, the metals that you're using, the fabrics that you're using. 
Can you elaborate a little bit on that, like how you come up with your ideas and how you decide what magic you want to make through your garments and your jewels? Hmm. I would leave that to when you're creating something or when you're designing or coming up with an idea, it can come from a lot of different directions. Mm-hmm. I'll use an example, choosing a stone or a color or let's say a texture, style of fabric, or let's speak on color, for example. I think that it comes in waves. You always have to pay attention and listen to what the universe is offering. I think that's a way of using your magic is to listen to when the earth or the universe is actually speaking to you. And I think that it takes an air. And I think that tapping in to the silence or to the nothingness or getting that time, I think meditation, I would say, is at play Mm. because you want to learn how to be silent in all the noise, even if it's for like a moment. I think that's where the magic begins. And then I think things will come up And again, it's listening in. Even though we're using signs and symbols, we're also listening to the universe for signs and symbols to make sure that things correlate with each other. So I think it's like a knowing without knowing. It's like using the intuition and trusting that. Yes. And then, you know, putting it into play and then trusting again, trusting how you're willing that energy to when you're putting it out into the universe. So you're getting the concept, the idea, the inspiration, you're listening in. And then you use the innate talent that you're here with. You know, everybody has their own innate talent. You know, we're former athletes. Oh. So I can use the athletic connection to a correlation. So I can't really say how their inspiration comes into play. But let's say an athlete wants to pick up the ball and their intention is to become a master at their craft. Mm -hmm. They start to practice. And I think that's another way that we do. We just practice listening in. You know, I think practice is very important in all fields. It just makes you more of a master at your craft. And the best way, I think, to be a master is to be a master student. Yes. Constantly look to learn. So I think that we're sharing what we've learned with you guys. It's packaged in the way where, like, we're also offering something into the universe through the work. So I think that paying attention to the seasons, to the weather, to the environment, to the music that's being played, that we've listened to, that we're listening to now, that our parents used to listen to, that our siblings put us onto, that a friend shared. I think all those things play a role. A book that was offered or a dream that I had. Yes. Yeah. It's like the universe talks to you and you just have to have your antenna up and listen. Exactly. Let me ask you, Dynasty, a couple of things. First of all, what sport did you play? Oh, I was multi-athletic. I played a lot of sports. I know an artist would be a renaissance person. I don't know if that applies to many sports, though. Did you as well, Soul? Yeah, so actually became a tennis instructor. Whoa! So was teaching kids in the NYJTO. Right on. So then how did you pivot into the arts? It was natural. We were always artists as well. We were multifaceted kids. We were involved in a lot of things. Luckily, we had privilege of actually not having a lot of money. I love that turn of phrase. Tell me more. Tell me more. The privilege (laughs) of poverty. (laughs) Right. (laughs) There were a lot of inner city activities that we were involved in because our parents didn't necessarily have the funds and couldn't necessarily afford our extracurricular activities. Mm -hmm. 
we were either pivoted, approached, or looked for ourselves mm. for activities. We were also in a dance group. <laughs> oh my goodness. So you're good at everything. You're just those people. Everything you touch turns to gold, huh? It was interesting because the first time I ever heard of Midas was through, like, I think, kind of like a biblical side of the story that I heard. So I always knew of something like that. But I would say that, again, we were luckily born into activity, I mm-hmm. would say. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, so. What Dynasty is saying is like the privilege of being quote unquote like poverty, but then having like all these things around us in terms of our siblings and our mind. We basically were able to use our imagination to the best of our ability and do alchemy with it. Let's say that, right? So yes. if we wanted, for instance, like a board game, what Dynasty and I would do is set up a lemonade stand for like, you know, two weeks into the summer and sold a bunch of like Kool-Aid and made money and then bought our own board game. Yes. And then we got bored with that and then flipped it over and made up our own board game on the other side. Ah, So let's talk about how you started working together on this line. First of all, I don't think we covered yet how you came up with this beautiful name for the line. It actually started with Soul and I having separate brands. My brand I founded in 2008, I believe. Okay. 2008, 2007, I started pushing clothing and denim. I was really just into creating and working in textiles, really. And I had a brand named Brise, and I was, like, pushing it really hard. And the first show that I actually had, I was doing, like, group shows for a while, maybe about a year and some change. Mm-hmm. In New York? Yes, always in New York. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I want to do the show. I, I really want to, like, put these pieces out there. And really take it there. And, you know, so I was like, yeah, bet. You know, we grew up in an environment where anytime you went to an event, there were always like, you walk away with something like from a the souvenir. Event, a souvenir. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I can help make souvenirs. And my mom got involved and made ribbons. And, you know, when you go to baby showers and you leave and it has the date and the time when you came so you can like remember totally. it. And it's like commemorated on that time. So that was like something cool. And Soul decided to make these metal pins. And then through those metal pins that she made, then her brand that was separate was Alchemy 9. And then she would focus on the metal side. So then that's when the accessories was an idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was an idea that was born from basically collaborating. Soul and I have always been very big on our individual expression and how we were going to find our way individually and then come back to each other and share what we found. We felt like doing that would always make like whatever we found a lot stronger if we were able to individually get it ourselves and bring it back together. So that's what we were doing with the separate brands. Were the separate brands both kind of like magical? Did it have that esoteric Absolutely. Kind of that's exactly okay. how it was. Cool. Brise was information through clothing. That's what it meant. Mm-hmm. And Alchemy 9 was exactly that, turning base metals and then looking for that gold in that. So the whole concept is always about what we would say the idea of magic is, creating something profound, having a profound effect and a very high vibration. Basically, like taking your stone and tossing it into the ocean and seeing how big of a wave you can make, you know? Yes. Ooh, I love that. I love that. That's how it started. And then what happened was we were building buzz. We were collaborating with other artists. And what we love to do is, again, because we came from so many different levels of inspiration and background, we always include, let's say, music or food into our expression. So anytime we're doing something, we'd love to have like food involved and... Mm getting into your taste buds and like really coming in 
different senses so you can heighten your senses, get to that sixth sense. So we want to like activate all through the senses. So through color, through taste, through sound. So once you can get the grounding of the five senses, then maybe it can activate something that you can take you to the sixth sense, you know? So we like to get all those things involved. So with that said, we had a couple of friends who were in music who were, you know, beginning to like wear our pieces out and they were being invited to different spaces in different countries. That's how we would also like to reach people. So another way that we can reach the audience is if our peoples were wearing our stuff and sharing their music in these different countries. So then someone that we met named Joey, who was out in Berlin, contacted me and was like, hey, I seen Carry Your Pants on my friend Jesse. And he was out in South Africa when we met. And we're having a trade show called Bread and Butter. It's the biggest trade show in Europe, in Berlin. And we'd love to invite you. I hit him back and I was like, oh, that's exciting. Lucky for you, my sister and I are merging our brands. Alchemy 9 and Brise, we want to share that new collaboration that we're working on. So we're doing clothing and we're doing jewelry. Can I jump in a little bit? Yeah, go ahead, girl. I do want to go back in terms of like the magic behind the names of Brise and Alchemy 9. Okay. Because when Dynasty named her brand Brise, it was almost like she wanted to make up a word. So Mm -hmm. like utilizing the word breeze, but taking out the two E's, obviously. Mm -hmm. And we later discovered years later that there's actually an ohm and a meditation called Brise. Mm. It's spelled B-R-Z-E when I asked the mark at the top and the OM is spelled B-R-Z-E-E. And this is years later. Wow. This is, I don't even know how many years later. I love that. And the affirmation was mm-hmm. the OM was to create, to manifest pretty much, right? Uh. To manifest. And that was like a beautiful thing because it was like her and her homegirl kind of like talking about what should this name be. So this is another thing going back to what Dynasty was saying about yes. like listening into the universe and it's going to respond, right? When you're open to listen. That's right. It's going to respond to you mm-hmm. and you're going to respond to it. Of course, Alchemy 9 is very as it is. Yes. But it also goes and plays into one of my Nigerian middle names, which is Olukemi. Mm. So I wanted to play around with the fact that my middle name had chem in it, like chemistry or alchemy. Yes, yes. You come into the world, it's like your choice. My parents gave me, but essentially, you know, we choose our parents. So I chose that name. Mm. And Alchemy Mm. 9 was basically playing on the concept of what Dynasty and I had been doing our lives, which is like the art of manifestation or the art of turning or transforming lead into gold. Gorgeous. What was interesting is that these things are like you know past present and future happening at the same time because when dynasty was sitting with this name we didn't necessarily know that that's what it meant exactly until years later and then it comes back to it makes so much sense so going in when we were going to berlin for this trade show dynasty and i were like well what's the name that we're gonna do how are we gonna put our names together right I mean, we weren't going to do like a Benefer, right? It wasn't going to be like <laughs> Blaukami <Blau> Nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Or Alze. Alize. We wanted to play on the fact that our mother uh, spoke a Creole French mm. growing up. And she typically spoke it like with her sister and she didn't really speak it that much in the house. So we were like, oh, we want to play on French. And we chose the Enchanter. French, so, French Pantois. French Pantois. Yes. So we wanted to tap into the enchanter, the one who brings life into quote-unquote inanimate objects. So essentially what Dynasty and I do is like, you know, we work with things that start off as inanimate, like, you know, a flat sheet of metal, a piece of fabric, those things are just flat, right? And then we bring it into a 3D space, so to speak, or bring life into it. And then it also connects with the wearer. So then the wearer then also has the opportunity to bring life in their own world. Ah. That is essentially the enchanter. 
so the interesting thing about it is that when you think about like something that's quote unquote inanimate, when you really get down to like the cellular level, everything is in movement, right? Mm-hmm. Everything is in vibration. Or you start understanding that more with like the Kabbalion in that book when it talks about like nothing rests, right? Yes. The principle of vibration. So nothing is resting. The concept of something being dormant is like more so a misnomer. But at the time we were like, oh, we're reactivating something and bring it into life. So that was the inspiration to call it the Enchanter. And then the inspiration to name it Lushanter was based on our mother's background and that upbringing. And that also is going to play a role later on, which is our present now. But we really wanted to highlight our mother in that retrospect because we're already Ogun, right? So by just by our name, Mm -hmm. we're already highlighting and pinpointing to our Nigerian heritage and background. Because that's also another thing. Mm. It's like, that's not something that we just named ourselves. That's our birth last name. We just shortened it. Oh. So Ogun is a name that we were privileged to be born with, realistically. So we then wanted to highlight La Chantier and have those things. Always combining our parents. Gorgeous. We always wanted to combine our parents and our upbringing and everything that we do. So, so I'm going to dive deeper on that in just a moment. But first, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of The Witch Wave is brought to you by... Mithras Candle. Welcome to a world where candles aren't just candles. They're ancestral gateways to ancient wisdom and warmth. In the days of old, candles weren't just sources of light. They held sacred significance, embodying hope, renewal, and comfort during the darkest hours. And with my friends at Mithras Candle, this tradition is upheld with such reverence. Made by hand, each Mithras Candle is a testament to purity and craftsmanship using the most sacred of materials, beeswax. Picture the gentle flicker of beeswax candles carrying the natural aroma of honey and floral notes. Mmm! And while their Byzantine hand-dripped pillars steal the show, Mithras offers a variety of shapes and colors, including seasonal delights like the upcoming pink for spring. But wait, it gets even better because Mithras is now proud to present their Pacific Northwest Source candle line featuring white filtered beeswax from the mountains of Washington State. And to honor this unique wax, they've introduced a limited edition white octagon candle inspired by the occult architecture of Orson Fowler. Are you ready to illuminate your space with arcane luxury? Then visit MithrasCandle.com today and use offer code WITCH24 to enlighten your world with 24% off your first order. That's M as in magic, I-T-H-R-A-S, candle.com, and use code WITCH24 for 24% off your first Mithras Candle order. The Witch Wave is sponsored by BetterHelp. So I'm really proud of a lot of the relationships in my life, and one of the central ones is, of course, my marriage to the lovely Matt. We've been together for nearly 20 years and it's brought me so much joy and growth and continues to do so. But I actually hate when people say relationships take a lot of work because that sounds like total drudgery. And while Matt and I have gone through some tough times, we've also had tons of fun over the years. But I will say it's not always easy 
and it does take effort sometimes. And a common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. And that's just simply not true. There are inevitably going to be moments in any relationship, and that's romantic, platonic, work relationships, and creative collaborations, where there's friction, where in some moments it doesn't feel easy, and that doesn't mean that it's not a good relationship. The best relationships are the ones where everyone involved is committed to working through the tough stuff. And therapy can be a place to work through the challenges that we face in any of our relationships. I've been in therapy for the majority of my adult life. Matt's been in therapy at times. And it's been massively helpful, not only because it's a neutral space where you can process your emotions, but also because your partner is not supposed to be your therapist. Going to a therapist can not only help you process certain issues that might come up in your relationships, but it's also just a place for you to unburden yourself about anything that's on your mind so that you don't spew it all over your partner or friends or coworkers in unhealthy ways that can strain those relationships. After a session with my therapist, I often feel immense relief because I've gotten things off my chest, I've lightened my emotional load, and I've sometimes expressed frustrations with myself or with others, and then have been able to work through those feelings in therapy and get to the root of them so I don't just take out those frustrations on the people I care about most. And that empowers me to be the best version of myself so I can show up fully in my relationships with an open heart. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash witchwave today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash witchwave. Hi, Witch Wavers. I have exciting news. At long last, we have some new Witch Wave merch available for you now through Tee Public. We decided to go with Tee Public for our new Witch Wave merch because it is a print on demand site, which means you can get different variations of the Witch Wave logo printed on t shirts, mugs, totes, stickers, magnets, notebooks. Oh my gods, the sky's the limit! And the shirts come in different styles and fabrics and colors and are available in sizes small through 5XL, so you can order whatever you'll feel you're most magical in. So head on over to witchwavepodcast.com slash shop. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today I'm speaking with Soul and Dynasty Ogun. So, Sol, you were starting to mention Ogun, and I'm so happy you are reading my mind because the next question that I had on my list for you both 
was about your connection to Yoruba and the Orishas and all of those different magical elements of your background. Is that something that you were raised with? Is that something that you've brought into yourselves later in life? I know that Ogun is the Orisha of metalworking, so it's really, really perfect. It's a little bit of both. I think just by birth, we are like uh, our father's Yoruba tradition has always played a huge role and also like a proudness in the fact that we're Yoruba. Mm -hmm. We grew up as our father is more on the Christian side of things, I would say. And Mm -hmm. I think our mother was maybe a loose Buddhist or something. (laughs) I love that phrase, a loose Buddhist. That's amazing. Could mean a lot of different things, though. Right, it could. So I think she was more like free form, I would definitely say. Mm-hmm, and maybe mm-hmm. when she got older, she kind of just more so adopted what my dad was doing. But we grew up as like Christians, but we, Dynasty and I, also never had been to church. We have always, I guess, tend to attract to non-traditional, so to speak, anyway, just from that. And also like non-institution. So though we were researching ourselves, like biblical you know, verses and reading the Bible, we just weren't in the institution of going to a church. Yes, yes. So in terms of like Ogun, we were very adept in terms of the tradition, the food that we ate. And dad spoke Yoruba with all of his friends. So we understood it like that. But it wasn't until we were in our 20s and Dynasty could probably go in a little bit deeper because someone actually specifically told her about the Orisha. I didn't realize growing up that there was even an Orisha or there was a deity mm-hmm. that was in Ogun and that there was this pantheon of all these deities and the Orishas, right? And how they interconnected and they were interwoven. So it was more so like in our early 20s when we were more introduced about the Orishas. And then we then took it upon ourselves to go and do research and study about the different Orishas and what they meant. And then also simultaneously, Dynasty and I are also reflecting the Orishas of the Beji. So we have double Orishas. Oh, just I by know. Being. So I was so excited about this because I know Ibeji or Ibeji, depending on the pronunciation, this is the Orisha of twins. Correct. So again, you're reading my mind. So, I mean, of course, you literally embody that Orisha as twins, but how else are you kind of plugging into that magic? Just by being. <laughs> and with anything that you Touché. do. It's funny that we were talking about like these different privileges because some privileges, you don't really know that that's what it is when you have it, especially at a young age, right? You know, we were made fun of for being Nigerian growing up because that wasn't like hip, it wasn't in, right? So mm-hmm. that's something that you would push away or like try not to identify with so much and assimilate as much as possible. But I think that the more we started finding out and being more informed, let's say that, about ourselves, that gave way to just accepting and being able to quote unquote use that magic is beautiful when you really accept the differences amongst yourselves and yes. i think that the way that the world is set up is just trying to make us all similar hence assimilate but the thing about being similar and the same is that it's kind of like boring the thing yes. is that everybody is different even dynasty and i's identical twins are different yes we walk similar but different pathways and by just accepting what we are it grows i mean you know that's the beauty of the adagi energy is that dynasty and i can look at one another as reflections and really like channel the magic because we're like oh you're doing this and i'm doing this and dynasty said that early on that we had been very much fascinated by our individual and how we can use the individualness to go and gain as much experience and knowledge and then come back to one another. Exactly. And then grow that. So going back to Ogun, Ogun is our bloodline. That's what we're born into. And Ogun is the god of metal. And again, of course, the more research we did, 
Ogun is also an herbalist. Mm-hmm. And Ogun is also the destroyer of bridges as well as the builder of bridges. Ogun builds bridges that connects the old world with the new world. Ogun is many facets of things. Yes. What they will call him is like war god because he makes the war instruments or tools. But in doing so, that you are essentially ushering the new world of what that means. And that is Ogun's energy as well. And the more I research, the more we'll probably learn even more about that. Ogun is actually a really tender energy, even though he makes these weapons. Mm. But the energy is like the lord of the weapons, but it's a tender energy because when he's done doing that, he goes into the forest and he basically harvests herbs. Mm. This is so beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that. He's a herbalist. Oh, gorgeous, gorgeous. I love the juxtaposition of the destruction and the creation. And mm-hmm. I feel like that shows up a lot in various mythology and folklore that often the destroyer is also the creator because things have to die in order to be reborn even more strong and beautiful sometimes. Right. So I want to get back to the notion of the magical twins. You know, certainly people will be familiar with Gemini, you know, in the Zodiac, or even like Luke and Leia, the powerful (laughs) twins in Star Wars. Do you feel like you have a special connection because you're twins? Like, do you have any sort of psychic connections? I don't know. I'm sure people ask you that all the time, but I'm so curious how it might express itself, especially when you're working together. I mean, there are things that we just overlap it and it could be because I think the twinness allows us to move past a lot of egoic things so to speak so that we can connect that way if that makes sense yes I think we can bear ourselves to one another and in doing so that creates the connection and then maybe it's like you know the chicken and the egg the connection itself allows us to bear our souls to one another at the same time so beautiful i think they go hand in hand with one another yeah and i think that's what creates the magic and what's interesting is that our dad really 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 wanted twins right which is fascinating i feel like especially after four kids and then they think they're having five but nope it's five and six <laughs> right exactly <laughs> Well, also the thing is is that Nigeria produces the most twins in the world. That's another thing. What? I had no idea. It's just something in in the genetics? I actually don't know exactly what it is, but that is also the connection with them having this Orisha. And our dad was like, "Um, where are my set of twins? And he happens to be a Gemini. So I think that's actually really funny Uh. that it's connected and that I think he really calls for us to come to him. And it so happens that we were born as the last of six children. And I think that's also like a specialness. Yes. You know, my mom was actually like really a special being because she had all of us on one fallopian tube. So we had to be here. Wow. Amazing. Who's going to be here, right? So there is this thing about, you know, I think there's a fascination around twins. But Dynasty and I always say we had the opportunities to become twins. And there's a connection that people can have all over the planet. And Dynasty and I have chosen to see each other as each other's closest mirrors. So So I want to talk about some specific pieces that are in your collection. I'm sure by now they're hopefully Googling it or following you all on Instagram, whatever. But I still want to give them some ideas of some of the pieces that make your line so special. So 
Some of the ones that jump out to me, we were talking about Midas, King Midas, for example, and you make these gold finger caps that are just so exquisite. I also know like your do-rags made out of more luxe materials that are really long and, I mean, they look like magical garments in themselves. What are some other pieces that you're especially proud of or that feel like signatures of the line? We have a key that we have essentially downloaded in the last two years. We have different types of what you will say, like emblems or mascots. We have a parrot that's a Cicero parrot that's based off of a parrot that you can only find in Dominica, which is where our mom is from. Mm -hmm. So that's one of our mascots. And the one that we conjured up is actually holding a machete. So it represents, again, our parents together. So it's a Cicero holding a machete because Ogun holds the machete. And we also later found out that Ogun walks around with a parrot on his shoulder. So that's something. Gorgeous. Going back to the key, the key is something special. We created an acronym called CODE, K-O-D-E, and it's Keys Open Doors Everywhere. And the key is something that has sprouted up from Dynasty having this download slash upload. And it really came through after our mother passed. It's going to be three years this year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were just opening to a lot of the spiritual, we were just receptive to it, let's say that. And we always have been, it's not like anything changed. The passing of the mother really heightens a lot of things or you can utilize it to heighten a lot of things. So Dynasty downloaded this key and this emblem and that has become pretty signature in our collection and through our conversation and the way that even our community has grown, they're knowing us more and more for these keys. It's really beautiful. You can probably see it more often on our LE page on La Chanter Instagram. And it has this beautiful like loop on the top part of it, which is actually the shape of an air. So it also represents inner listening. And when you inner listen deeper, there's this concept of like really opening doors within, right? The more yes. you inner listen, the more you open the doors within. And then on the bottom, the part that's like the key that opens the door or the part that you would put into the keyhole, it's in the shape of the L and E. And that obviously represents La Chantere or L-E, which is what we shorten it to. Every now and then we're always saying L-E-L-E because that also represents the, you know, we wanted to bring mm-hmm. it back to that. Basically, it's talking about the title or something. So it's a really, really beautiful piece. It's in our garments. It's on our jewelry, in our bags, accessories, hats. And it's just something that is very special to us because I think that it came to us just when we needed it. Beautiful. Yeah, we have other pieces as well. Something that we're calling the big dinero bag slash big bucks bags. And <laughs> it's based on the concept of, again, of another form of manifestation. Like, you know, you carry around this bag and you have like a wad of cash in it. You know, it's also going back to the point of like touching money, right? Like we're getting so far away from touching money nowadays that to have a bag full of cash is kind of like this older concept of when people would travel with like bars of gold in their bag or, you know, that's what they would carry like, you know, satchels and things like that. So This bag is really beautiful. We're making it with this beautiful types of skins of leather that Dynasty is like a master of textiles. So she's always finding and discovering or making some kind of wild ass textile. (laughs) And it has a big key on the front of it because, again, it's about the unlocking and the reminder of the unlocking. And that's something that has been brewing and, you know, going to be released in the spring, Ah. next couple of months. Um, we also have our extra terra astral pendants and they're these like beautiful pendants that are made of all different types of gemstones. They're always one of one. They're always one of a kind and they all have these different features and faces and what they represent essentially is the loose spiritual form coming down to earth. Mm. 
we usually tend to drop about seven of the extra terror astros at a time uh-huh. about every two months or three months or so mm-hmm. about like the seasons like we dropped it in february because it was like oh it's february it's cute whatever you know it's like <laughs> almost done winter's almost finished yes. right so it's yes. just like definitely rolls around for us we're about to do another drop of these like i call them like mystical vests and they're these vests that dynasty makes and we use really beautiful hardware they're basically the hardware that firefighters wear. So we call them firefly hardware. Oh, cool. And Dynasty associates the extraterrestrials into the garment. So she does like applique of these facial expressions that go onto these vests. So they translate from, again, the jewelry to the garb. And they go hand in hand. The key is mm. featured on that as well. So beautiful. And those are also made as one of ones or like, you know, two of two. We really rarely make multiples. Wow. So listen, you have both designed for some of the most visionary artists around. We're talking Beyonce and Jay-Z to Erica Badu and Lauren Hill and the list goes on. I have to ask, like, what's the process like collaborating with those truly like stellar visionary artists? I have to imagine, first of all, there's like lots of talking to stylists and stuff. But beyond that, what has that process been like for you? I mean, it's it's very exciting. Let's say like a Badu, Miss Lauren Hill. I think they were one of our first supporters, tribe. The first time we met Badu, as soon as we met, she was like, y'all tribe, you know, we are vibrating on a certain frequency. So she tapped in. Mm-hmm. And that's also absolutely special because, you know, I felt like we grew up with their music. It was very inspiring growing up. And I think that to have them as what you will say, one of the quote unquote first is full circle. Our oldest sister, she had passed away when we were fairly young. We were like 10, 11, and she was Mm. very prominent in our life. Mm. And she actually was a designer herself. She was highly advanced, highly intelligent. She was already in college when she was 16. She was actually going to Pratt in New York. She went to FIT High School. She did all these artistic things. So she introduced us also into that realm. Yeah. And we basically, when she passed, you know, I felt like we were like, we're going to pick up that torch and continue on this journey that she also set out for us as well, as well as our ancestors. And then when the music came out with Badu, with Miss Hill and the Fugees and that hip hop and yes. that sound and that rhythm, they were like gifts from the universe as oldest sisters and they didn't really realize it. So to produce and collaborate with them. It was a dream. And it was also kind of, again, a full circle moment. And we were, in a sense, collaborating with our sister as well and continuing that. So I think it's just exciting to collaborate with so many different people, people who touch other people's lives on a wide scale, and also individuals who, you know, are inspired by pieces and just feel the power. They can be artists in their own right, people who are living Every day, waking up in the morning, going to the nine to five, then they also feel that power. So I think that the different types of individuals, I think, is really what's exciting about it. They can be so many different types of people who not only like access to the universe that we're creating, but also invite us into a little bit of their world. So it's a constant collaboration, it's constant sharing, it's constant evolution in what we can do and how much we can be pushed. Gorgeous. And what's great about these collaborations is that they just let us live, right? They just let us do what we want to do, mm-hmm. to be honest. When we first started working with Miss Hill, she was just really into the work. She felt the magic. You know, she would say, like, I need those pieces. And it was specific for that. I need those magic pieces that she brought me the other day. Yes. And she what felt had been it. great about that is that she felt it and said it's because we had so much love for her. 
you know, she probably didn't even really know. It's like we looked at her life as an older sister, right? Yeah. What was great about that is that Dynasty and I were able to just create things that we already had in our, you know, archivals. And she would just look through them and then she would just pick out a bat. It's always been this certain type of collaboration where they trust our artistic movement and vision. It's just kind of like, well, do whatever you're going to do and send it to me. Mm. And then I'll choose through that, right? From Miss Hill to Erica. Erica has been also great. And what's great about working with them is that they inspired us again, you know, now in this place to be our muses, right? Yeah. And by them being our muses, we were able to just really like expand what we were thinking into some of the pieces that we were making. It really pushed our design, even though, again, they never really asked for anything specific. We were just kind of like observe and then using the creativity to just expand the way that we envisioned what the work would look like, you know, and how it would evolve. And it was us evolving as well. And the same thing, I think, when Dynasty and I made pieces for Beyonce, Blackest King, mm -hmm. when we did that, it was literally the same thing. It was like we were working with her stylist at the time, Zorina Acres. It actually really started off small. It was it's like, yeah, we're going to shoot some video in their backyard. Like, that's kind of how it started <laughs> off. And it just turned into this really epic situation. We were like, well, what do you want us to make? And she was just like, do what y'all do. Yeah. And I think that's always been like a really important and also like amazing task to just be like, do what you do. Dynasty made clothing for it. We made jewelry for it. And it's just based on do what you do. Yep. I love that. On that note, we're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back. Picture this. You are standing under an open night sky filled with stars. A bonfire crackles nearby and you walk towards it. There, you are welcomed by supportive, like-minded witches. In this nurturing environment, you cast spells, create enchanted crafts, learn ancient magic, and uncover your own deep power as a witch. This sounds like a fantasy we've all dreamed of, but it's actually real. It's called Witch Camp. Hi, I'm Veronica Varlow. I created Witch Camp over a decade ago. I want you to experience this life-changing retreat. Come to Witch Camp in the Catskill Mountains this summer. Last year, tickets sold out in less than six minutes. So go to my website to be the first to know. Go to lovewitch.com. That's L-O-V-E witch.com. Or to my Instagram at Veronica Varlow. Pack your tarot cards and your crystals. You're going to Witch Camp. This season of The Witch Wave is brought to you in part by Sphere and Sundry, an astro-magical atelier where you can get expertly elected materia magica, oils, incense, bath salts, salves, inks, beauty oils, and more, which have been ritually crafted during rare, powerful, and benefic astrological configurations. And oh my word, I can tell you firsthand, this is the stuff. 
These formulas are chosen in accord with the strict requirements of the talismanic tradition outlined in the Picatrix and other ancient grimoires, meaning you can benefit from the power of amazing astrological transits even when the stars haven't aligned. These are incredible tools for witches who are looking to embrace the manifestations and results of their spell work, especially the Luna in Cancer series. And I myself have the Luna in Cancer incense, and it is a dream to use for any kind of lunar magic. Venus Materia can be used for love, glamour, and attraction. Regulus for fame and recognition, Asclepius for healing and transformation, and Deneb Algedi for protection. I also used several of Sphere and Sundry's magical products on site in Greece during our group rituals, and they were so potent and so exquisite. I can't say enough good things about them. Since 2018, Sphere and Sundry have been a key driver in the rising tide of popularity and interest in astrological magic, amassing over 5,000 five-star reviews and field reports on their website. Most orders ship within one business day, and Sphere and Sundry is also well known for their incredible customer service as they are their magical results, and I can attest to that as well. Learn more and get $10 off your first order at spheerandsundry.com using the code WITCHWAVE. That's spheerandsundry.com, S-P-H-E-R-E-A-N-D-S-U-N-D-R-Y.com and use code WITCHWAVE for $10 off your first order. Would you like even more WITCHWAVE? Do you wish that you could hear from me and my other magical guests on a weekly basis? And what about doing monthly rituals with yours truly? Then come join me over on Patreon, where you'll get bi-weekly bonus Witch Wave Plus episodes, ad-free Witch Wave episodes, and detailed show notes for all. I also lead a monthly online magical workshop, which you can attend live or watch the recording of at your convenience. Rewards for some tiers also include magical merch and contests where you can win witchly prizes each month, as well as early heads up about my other workshops before they sell out. And you can even sign up for the opportunity to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. And all backers get access to our exclusive digital coven where you can connect to a community of other wonderful Witch Wave witches around the world. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to patreon.com slash witchwave now and sign up. It's a magnificent way to get more magic in your life and to support the show. Thanks so much. Welcome back to The Witch Wave. Today, I'm speaking with Soul and Dynasty Ogun. So I want to dive a little bit deeper. Soul, when you were talking about designing for Jay-Z, you told Complex Magazine, quote, I'm looking at it like that's a malleable God body. It transforms and transmutes. 
And you were talking about Jay-Z or at least some aspect of Jay-Z as a god body and that being what you were designing the jewelry for. And I would love for you to expand on that concept because it's so intriguing. I think Diamond and I have been using that term for a long time, God body. And I think it probably has to do with our upbringing, the music that we listen to, et cetera. And I think it was just about the form that we use as just people coming up from what you call like, quote unquote, the trenches. Like you're coming from the hood, you're coming from the block. And you then are able to take yourself into this other space, like transmute your surroundings. And then also by doing so, you're connecting yourself to the all, right? Which you will call like the God body. So essentially like every being on the planet to me is a God body. They mm-hmm. have the body of what the quote unquote God or the all or whatever you want to call it, the bigger being or the larger being is. And I think it's almost like slang, right? It's like, I'm God body. I'm the body of God, or I'm big bodied, let's say, I'm my higher self. I think that was also the name of a ring that we made. And we called it God body because it's something that a larger entity would wear. It was a huge ring with a huge Morganite stone. Yes. And the ring also was just like really impactful in the jewelry community. And we didn't really know it. And what was interesting about that simultaneously is that when that ring released, I think Jay wore it in this video with him, Nas, and um, Khaled. Mm -hmm. And when that video released, it was like bittersweet because our mom had just passed when it happened. Mm -hmm. So we were like not even present. We were in a loop. You know what I mean? Of course. And what was interesting about that is that ring has so much meaning at that time because we were like really still working and creating while we were going through what we were going through with our mother. So in retrospect to her and her God body, right? It was just kind of speaking in terms of the physical being and then encompassing its spiritual aspects simultaneously. So it's immortality and it's mortal self. So you're saying God and you're saying body at yes. the same time. Yes. Body is essentially something that is like tethered to the earth. It's mortal. Yeah. The Godhead, that's more something that is relatable to like the immortal side of the being or the soul, so to speak. When I think about the ways in which you're honoring your mom and your sister and keeping their spirit alive through your work too and honoring them, it all comes full circle, doesn't it? I think of jewelry as kind of like a magical embellishment or icing, but when designing like a whole garment, that's really about the clothing covering the body or the God body and enhancing it. So Dynasty, what are the magical considerations that you have in mind when you're designing the fashion garments? Definitely, I would say color. Mm. The color palette is highly important. Texture is the first thing I go for. I've been introduced to texture at a young age. I've always been interested in the feel of the garment. You know, if a person wasn't necessarily able to necessarily see it, let's say they lost the vision, they would be able to get a touch and a feel of the garment. I think that that's the first thing I go for, the way that it feels and the way that it feels on an ethereal level. So I feel like jewelry, there's a shininess to it. Mm -hmm. As soon as you see it, it sparkles it. You're always like taken back. So I think that the goal is if you can see the energy through, let's say, an image, then I hit the mark with the type of clothing that I'm going to release. Then the design comes into play, the details, how the silhouette is going to be shaped. I think that I like to bounce off of soul figuring out what she's into and, you know, what kind of silhouette she's into. And I think my partner, what colors and things that she's into. And Mm -hmm. then I apply that to how I'm going to start the process and creation. 
And then the types of accents and metal I'd like to put on because I think that that's an advantage that we have is that we also deal heavy in metal that comes into play down to the grommets and zippers. And Mm -hmm. so was talking about, we use something called a firefly class. I thought that was interesting. Instead of using, you know, the quintessential fastenings and closures, I think playing around with different functions and, you know, what they were used for technically, and then how that can be put into play on an aesthetic level and still be functional. I think that's where we're at. Totally, totally. Highly functional garments. Mm. Functional and magical at the same time, which is the best combination. I love that. Absolutely. I love that. So obviously I'm not like enmeshed in the fashion world. I'm not enmeshed in the jewelry world the way you both are. But from my vantage point, it feels like there are definitely more Black designers being celebrated than before. But I still personally, and granted, you know, I'm not super fluent in all of this, but it still feels like what you're doing is breaking some new ground. I mean, when I think about the other black fine jeweler that I know of is Lorraine West. And I think about, you know, how costume designer Ruthie Carter has been celebrated. And then in fashion, there's like Telfar, Rihanna, though her line, I understand, is taking a break. It feels like there's still so much more ground to cover. And I would just love to hear you speak about Is it just that my antenna isn't attuned to this? Or are you feeling like there's more opportunities for Black designers like yourselves that you'd like to see expanded upon? As much as Dynasty and I are in the, you know, jewelry world and the fashion world, I would also say that we are creating our own worlds. Yes. And by doing so, we create our own lane and our own terms because I think the focus of like the lack of representation has just been like this old song and it's mm-hmm. still trying to get these worlds to see us. We create those worlds. Like they're a lot of the inspiration that is behind a lot of this world, especially now. Some of the aesthetics of like the Black audience, whether it's like African, Black American, that's a lot of the inspiration. But I think rather than focusing on like, how do we get to see us? It's just like, we're just looking at ourselves almost all the time. And it allows us the space to really do whatever we want and not really have to bend to anyone's rules mm-hmm. and create our own rules and create our own laws. And I think by doing so, it allows us to flex our muscles. And now Dynasty and I just had a solo show at Salon 94, an art gallery across from the Guggenheim. So it's like, what world do we actually live in? Yes. We're about to have a cooking show. I'm just saying, I don't know that's happening, but it's <laughs> <laughs> just like we could essentially have a cooking show or a travel show. We do whatever we want. Yes, I love that. It goes back to what Dynasty was saying from the beginning. The lack of representation has allowed us to cater to what we want to do. Fair enough. I hear you. I hear you. How do you want people to feel when they're wearing your pieces? What are you infusing your pieces with magically? Magic. (laughs) I mean, I want you to feel (laughs) invincible. I think some of the things that we've heard is that it's invincible. So they feel something that awakens or speaks to them. Like recently, we had this a new client who just got some pieces. She actually started off with the extraterrestrial face and What was great about that is that she was just speaking to the stones that were in the pieces. That's what started that connection. And then when she came to our atelier, she was able to see the garments. And she was like, oh, the garments are speaking to me too, because I'm, you know, I have this style and it's always hard for me to find something in this style. 
and also find something for her God body, for her body type. Mm -hmm. And that was also something interesting. And it expanded that she felt there was this connection to where she was going in her life. And there were certain things that connected to her past and those things that was connected to her future self. When people, you know, acquire our pieces, they have the power to transform their lifestyle, transform themselves. They themselves are the alchemists. Mm. And by tapping in, these are like tools to like reawaken themselves, right? Like everybody is a master mystic and everybody is a master student. We're all just here to learn. And I think they're able to witness our evolution. And when you are able to witness somebody else's pathway, you can kind of connect it to your pathway. Even though you might have a totally different road to leave, you still are connecting to something that allows a space to grow the way that you want to grow. You know what I mean? Like what you want to be. And then also, you know, Dynasty and I, we're deep shallow. We're about like the way something looks and dressing. Our mother dressed really well. Our father dressed really well. So we're into like the deep shallow of it. So the depth is like looking for the (laughs) mysticism, the magic, the spirituality. Yes. We call it the art of mystic healing. And then we want you to be like, I look at me and I look good. I like the way that this looks. I like the way that this diamond shines. I like this bracelet on me. This looks bad. I'm going to wear this to this event. They're just the two sides of the coin. Yes. Beautifully, beautifully said. The duality. Yes. Well, listen, you two, we're coming up on time. Just a last question for you, which, oh, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to make it a couple part question. But the first is, what do you want to speak into existence? What's next for your line? What do you want to manifest for the line? We're working on a few things that we like to share. We're working on, of course, spreading the idea and the concepts of inner power, inner transformation, empowering the self, and then empowering others to transform your circumstances into whatever you want it to be. So in doing so, we want to spread that message. We like to travel more with our work, our art, yes, and sharing that and collaborating with others and taking it to another level and spreading the joy of creation. I'm going to add to it really quick. What I also say that we're manifesting is a brick and mortar, Ooh. a stationary place where people can come to us. So part of our thing is going out to the world and then also have a place for them to come to see us. I love it. I love it. From your lips to the gods and goddesses and Orisha's ears, may it be so. Last question, how can people connect with you and how can they get your work? Follow us on Instagram. That is a great place to connect with us at the moment is hitting us up on the gram. Yep. And I noticed that a lot of your pieces are available on your website. And yes. I'm just saying they are relatively affordable. And I'm sure that's not going to be the case forever. So people get yep. on that for real, for real. And they're so beautiful. By 2025, if you haven't gotten it off the website, I don't know what to say. <laughs> there we go. Well, listen, this has been such a pleasure. I am such a fan of the beauty that you conjure. And I want to thank both of you for being on The Witch Wave. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us. us. Wow, that was a real twin thing. thing. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for the show. Thank you again to Dynasty and Soul Ogun for sharing their enchanting adornment with me. Do you have questions, feedback, need some witchly advice, or just want to share something magical that happened to you recently? Please do drop us an email or a voice memo at witchwavepodcast at gmail.com. 
We'd love to hear from you, and you just might make it on The Witch Wire. The Witch Wave is a phantasmophile production written and produced by me, Pam Grossman. This episode was recorded and edited by Josh Wilcox and or Walter Nordquist and myself. Our theme music is the song Hand and Eye by Lycanthia. Our new Witchwave logo was designed by Thunderwing. And special thanks, as always, go to Matt Freeman, Laura Antal, and Cece Pascal. You can check out information about this and other episodes on our website and now buy Witchwave merch over at witchwavepodcast.com. Please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and do consider giving us lots and lots of sparkly stars and glowing reviews. It really, truly does make a difference and helps other people find the show. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at WitchWavePod, and you can check out my witch emoji for iPhone by going to witchemoji.com or downloading it in the App Store. My book, Waking the Witch, is available everywhere now, and the witchcraft book I edited and co-authored for Tashin is as well, so thank you for checking those out too. And if you want more WitchWave, or you would just like to support the show, please do join us over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash witchwave. Thank you so much for listening. Witches are the future. I'll catch you next time on The Witch Wave. Witch Wave.